Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello and welcome everybody to episode number 267 of Linux in the Hamshack. This is the first weekender edition of the brand new year 2019. So we hope everybody has had a good holiday season, a good month off of not listening to us. And now you're ready to dive back in with us and be a part of Linux in the Hamshack again, just as we are. So. What we're going to talk about today are the things that are coming up over the next couple of weeks in the amateur radio and open source worlds, things that you can do, events that you can participate in, projects that you might want to try, and a little bit of hedonism down at the bottom of the show. So it should be a good time. I don't remember which numbered weekender we're at, but we'll roll into it. And when I release it, you know, you'll find out as I do. So I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And as we have said many times on this program, you are listening to the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet, and we can say that with some authority. So the first thing we're going to dive into is stuff coming up this weekend and stuff coming up this weekend in the amateur radio world. For example, contests. So, Bill, what kind of contests are coming up? What can people participate in this weekend in amateur radio? Yeah, well, we got uh, quite a few good ones coming up here this weekend. We have the uh, North American QSO Party, a single sideband edition. It runs from 1800 Zulu on January 19th to 0559 Zulu on January 20th. And this comes hot off the heels of the CW version of this contest. We have the voice version uh, coming this weekend, and this one's great because the highest power allowed for scoring is 100 watts. So this is a good time to break out your barefoot rig and start talking. <laughs> It'd be a change uh, from the people that did Ritty Roundup and uh, didn't talk at all. No, this is great. And uh, piggybacked onto this is the North American Collegiate Championship, also single sideman running at exactly the same time, 1800 Zulu, uh, January 19th through 0559 Zulu. January 20th, and basically this is just augmenting the uh, NAQP contest uh, with uh, collegiate, uh, collegiate um, um, teams and stuff like that for, uh, for the various schools that want to compete against each other during the NAQP. And I believe uh, they follow the same rules and everything else. Uh, you just set up your team as a collegiate team, uh, whether that be a contest station or a club station at a school. Uh, they have their own little augmented set of rules so check that out as well and if you don't want to do hf this weekend there is the big awrl january vhf contest and that one is running from 1900 zulu january 19th to 0359 zulu january 3rd, uh, 21st 
So this is a get your rover running and head out on the highway. This is a 50 megahertz and up contest and should be loads of fun. Openings on six meter have been popping up daily for a brief period of time here in the U.S., including uh, one opening to uh, Australia, New Zealand last week from the West Coast. So uh, should be able to have some good fun on VHF. Uh, I know quite a few rovers that are heading out there for sure. So, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely be on the lookout and uh, at least get on six meters if you got it. Most of your HF rigs do. You know, put something up in the air and uh, and and get on that contest and uh, help those rovers out. You know, score some points. And he, that's all for this weekend. He totally did not do that in a la Steppenwolf. I know. <laughs> get your rover, get your rover running. running. Head out on the highway. Head on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I was. I was. That's why I put it in there like that. <laughs> I didn't know how well it come off with our, our delayed bandwidth issues. We're having tonight. <laughs> I'm sure in the recording, you won't hear those problems. But <laughs> uh, All right. So very good. So quite a few things coming up. And that. The bands, you know, from uh, the CUSA party and the collegiate championship running simultaneously, the band should be super busy at that time. So if you want to make some contacts, yeah, they're hoping that it, would be the time. Yeah, definitely hoping a lot of activity there. And they're, they're, those those two are meant to be together. So there's no uh, separation and scoring and stuff like that that you have to be worried about, about, about participating in the NAQP and contacting a college station because they're all going to be part of the same thing, same exchange, everything else. So so it'll be almost transparent. I'm not even sure why they even list them separately, but I guess they want this to be the, uh, you know, specifically for their particular, uh, uh, their particular scoring or submission is, is slightly different. All right. Very good. So next weekend, there's a couple of contests going around too. The first one is the 160 meter CQ contest, which of course is operating on CW from 2200 Zulu on January 25th to 2200 Zulu on January 27th. Lots of top band goodness out there. Uh, the conditions should be good and quiet at this time of the year. But, you know, of course, when people start operating on a particular band, the frequencies tend to open up. So if you haven't heard anything as of yet on 160 meters, might be a good time to actually listen. Get that, you know, working or at least get your tuner to the point where you can put out at least a couple of watts on that top band. Uh, there's also another contest. Um, I'm guessing this is the REF contest, um, which is also yes. CW from 600 Zulu on January 26th to 1800 Zulu on January 27th. And I'm going to butcher this, but it's the Réseau de Emetteurs Français Union Français de Radio Amateur, n'est-ce pas? Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm betting everyone in France just like tore their headphones off. and <laughs> Yeah, like, screw these guys, <laughs> bunch of jokers. Idiots. Yeah, basically, CW, stick to the IARU band plan and for your area, and it's uh, HF. Uh, except for, I don't believe it's top band. It'll only be uh, 80 through 80 10, through... no work bands. The usual stuff. Yep, 80 through 10. Yep, yep. Uh, which is what makes the uh, 160 meter CQ contest a little different because it's actually on 160 meters, which a lot of contests are not. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, we also have some special event stations coming up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, the first one that I jotted down here was Quartz Fest, which is not in and of itself a special event station, but it's a special event station operating at a ham fest, basically. Uh, this happens on January 19th from 0800 Zulu to January 26th, 1200 Zulu, which is basically the entire span of the Hamfest. Uh, 
The event is Quartz Fest 2019, celebrating its 22nd anniversary. It's an ARRL specialty convention being held on those dates near Quartzite, Arizona. Um, no other ham fest in the world brings together in one gathering so much innovation in mobile antenna systems, mobile ham shacks, recreational vehicles, portable and mobile MCOM systems, off-the-grid living, alternative energy, and radio education. Except, I would say, maybe for hamvention, but, <laughs> you know. Well, you know. <laughs> well, this is out in the middle of the desert, so this is kind of like a, everybody has to go there. Yes. not like there's anything that's true there. there is nothing there except a whole bunch of rvs if you've ever been to quartzite and i have been to quartzite um you know that there is quite literally nothing there except a bunch of people in rvs yep, so pretty much <laughs> so anyway there's that and they will be operating call signs w7q from quartz fest this year uh, we also have Kansas Day 2019. The call sign for that is going to be the call sign of the Santa Fe Trail Amateur Radio Club, which is KS0KS. Uh, and they'll be hosting this event to celebrate the admission of the Kansas Territory into the Union as the 34th state. Uh, James Buchanan signed the bill admitting Kansas into the Union on January 29th, 1861, and they'll be operating on January 26th because, because. Um, and that will be <laughs> from 16. 16- because it's right, close exactly. <laughs> Nobody cares. It's Kansas. Come on. <laughs> the flyover state. So that's going to be from 1600 Zulu to 2100 Zulu on the 26th. They will be operating for that special event. Uh, and then there's also the, the special event commemorating the discovery of gold in El Dorado County, California. Uh, the call sign will be the El Dorado County ARC's call sign, uh, Alpha Golf 6, Alpha Uniform. This will be from January 26th, 26th, 1700 Zulu to January 28th, 0100 Zulu. And it's commemorating the 171st anniversary of the discovery of gold in Coloma, California. Special event will be on the air as HG6AU from the gold discovery site on those dates. So there you go. Some special events you can. Such a, such a good call sign. HG6AU. Yeah. Yeah. Silver yeah. and gold. Silver That's and gold. right. Very good. <laughs> All right, so normally in this space, we would have some announcements. I don't have any announcements. Do you have any announcements? Uh, <laughs> does anybody in the chat room no. <laughs> does anybody in the chat room have any announcements? If they do... Oh, somebody just announced something, uh, didn't they? That some, some ham fest was not going to be in the location uh, yes. that it's named after? Jeremy, KC0NUK, put in the chat room a little bit ago that he had just read that the Victoria Springs Ham Fest, which I'm not sure which Victoria Springs that is, um, will not be in Victoria Springs this year. It will be at Bader Memorial Park near Chapman. And I'm not, I don't know what state we're talking about. You want to look that up real quick while I'm <laughs> mentioning it? Thank you. Yes. It's Nebraska. in Nebraska. There we go. So apparently it will be in Chapman, which he and says for some of us will be quite a bit further, but to offset that the location is closer for a bunch more people and therefore might attract more folks to the Hempest. So. Victoria Springs, Nebraska is on which side of Nebraska? East? That's the part I don't visit. <laughs> the, <laughs> all oh, wait, of it. That's, that's all the same of it. part that I don't visit. That's where the heck is it? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like out dead center in the middle of oh, nowhere. Oh, somewhere near Grand Nebraska. Island then. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Because <laughs> it's either Nebraska, Grand or it's either uh, Omaha, Grand Island, or nowhere. Yeah. I don't even see Grand Island. It, it's there, believe me. I've been to it. 
Oh yeah, so yeah, it's in the northwest. Okay. Of oh yeah, so that's even further out into nowhere. So <laughs> yeah, that's why I said it's nowhere. All right, <laughs> but maybe it's somewhere that it's not nowhere anymore. I don't see the updated information here on the website. Oh, maybe so. I don't know. There's there's a there's a town out in western Kansas called Goodland, um, which is a total misnomer. But apart from that, it's um, the only reason anyone knows anything about Goodland is because it's where all the snow piles up when the storms come through the Midwest. So you can always judge how bad you're going <laughs> to get hammered by how much snow Goodland is under. So anyway. Moving on from that, let's talk about the LHS Ham Radio Challenge for this bi week fortnight. Uh, if you have the opportunity, I just threw this in there because because uh, I was writing down a bunch of special event stations. So uh, if you have the opportunity to operate the transceiver for a local amateur radio special event station, do so. In other words, if you have one that's operating somewhere near you, you know, actually get on there and be a part and be a transmitter. Actually, key up for your special event. I've done that before. Uh, it's kind of cool, actually. And if not, uh, check out some of the special events that we've mentioned and maybe some of the ones that we haven't and see if you can make a contact and get a cert or a QSL card from one of those special events. They are, they're on the air to make contacts, so make contacts. All right, so moving on from that, we're going to jump into the open source world of things. And in the open source world, we usually mention a distribution to try. This time will be no different. I found this distribution in a list of the top five distributions of 2018. Uh, I don't remember where that actual list came from, but this this was the the different one that was on the list because it was like Ubuntu 18.04 and then Fedora 29 and like Solus, you know, a bunch of well-known distributions. And then this one called Void Linux. And Void, according to themselves, is a general purpose operating system based on the monolithic Linux kernel. Its package system allows you to quickly install, update, and remove software. Software is provided in binary packages or can be built directly from sources with the help of the K or XBPS source package collection. It is available for the Intel 80, x86 and x86-64 ARM and MIPS processor architectures. Software-based packages can be built natively or cross-compiled through the XBPS source package collection. Uh, I did actually get to the point of downloading and running this in a VM. It runs fine. They have several different versions of desktop environments. They have Cinnamon, Mate, LXDE, XFCE, um, and a couple others. and. Other than the installation procedure being extraordinarily archaic, it actually loaded up and ran fine. It, it, it's a live distro, so you can boot it, you know, into a VM environment or onto bare metal and it will just go ahead and run, you know, out of the box. The download was only about 800 meg, so it, it wasn't super huge. Um, in order to run the installer, you actually have to run it from a CLI. You have to do, you know, you have to boot up the live image and then open a terminal and type void dash installer. And that brings you into an NCurses based install script. And you have to walk it down through the various, you know, things that it asks you, like what time zone are you in? What's your keyboard configuration? What's your, you know, 
stuff like that. And then it actually gets to the point where it fires up parted, not even G parted. It's actual parted. And you have to manually configure your disc at that point. Yeah, manually. No, manually. no, no options whatsoever what for configuring your disc. No auto configuration at all. Was this like, sure, this is not, this is not Gen <laughs> yeah, 2 I'm or sure. something? <laughs> and then once you get done with that, it doesn't install fine <laughs> and it boots up just fine. Um, but again, it uses its own package manager. This, this distribution was not forked from any other distribution. It is its own distro. Uh, the only thing that makes it Linux is it uses the Linux kernel. Uh, they've written their own package manager and all the utilities are all based, um, by the developers of void. So, you know, it would definitely take some getting used to if you wanted to try it. But if you want to get a little bit out of your, com- your comfort zone, you could certainly give this one a go. It's not so rustic that someone who's relatively new can't use it, but it would definitely take some effort. So, but if you want to try something a little different, give void a try. It's not bad. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a little different. So, uh, and of course, a link to where you can download Void will be in the show notes, or you can simply Google for Void Linux. It's the top hit. Don't worry about it. All right. So moving on from there, we've got some events coming up this week and next week in the open source spectrum. So, Bill, you want to hit a couple of these? Sure. We'll do uh, events this week. Uh, we got the Linux Conf Australia, which is uh, going to be this year at the University of Canterbury in Christchurch, New Zealand. So not in Australia, but in the ANZ area. Uh, well, it's going to be January 21st through the 25th, 2019. It's a uh, themed Linux of things. The 2019 linuxconf.au uh, or linux.conf.au will again attract speakers and attendees, attendees from across the world to socialize, fraternize, fraternize, <laughs> lecture, listen, ask, answer, and share with their peers. The conference will explore the use of free and open source software and hardware for the Internet of Things devices. Along with the security concerns, privacy, and legal aspects, environmental impacts, everyday communication, health, ethics, and much more. And that's linked in the show notes. The other conference we have for this week is, uh, or upcoming, I guess, shortly, is uh, devconf.cz. And this is in Brno, Brno, Chechia? Brno, Chechia, I think that's right. Chechia. Bruno Trechia, something like that. There you go. It's uh, January 25th through the 27th, 2019, and it's a free Red Hat-sponsored community conference for developers, admins, DevOps engineers, testers, documentation writers, and other contributors to open source technologies such as Linux, middleware, virtualization, storage, cloud, and mobile, where Floss communities sync, share, and hack on upstream projects together. (laughs) You're right, it is. Sorry. All of a sudden, we get like a bunch of. Ding, better, ding. <laughs> better check the porn. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> I was like, "What is all that noise after in the that, background?" I believe <clears throat> we've had anyway. one or two of our listeners mention this to us, but it did show up in the open source calendar events coming up, and that is FOSDEM 2019, which is a very popular unconference that happens in Brussels, Belgium. Uh, this year, it'll be from the 2nd through the 3rd of February 2019. FOSDEM is the Free and Open Source Developers European Meeting. It is a free event for software developers to meet, share ideas, and collaborate. There are no tickets or registration. The event features two main tracks, lightning talks, mini conferences in the form of developer rooms, and dozens of FOS projects stands in an open exhibition. So I know we have at least a couple of our listeners who attend FOSDEM. 
So if you want to join with your peers over in Belgium and, you know, talk about open source and get involved in projects and listen to lightning talks and then go get high, you definitely want to check that out. So <laughs> yeah, well, Netherlands is only like a hop, skip and jump away. Right. So, I mean, it's a quick train ride. I guess <laughs> in theory. All right. <laughs> If you're on like you know the Thales or something like that. Cool. So anyway, Fosdem 2019. Check it out. The uh, first couple of days of February. All right for the open source challenge in the Linux and the Hamshack world for this fortnight. I put in here to attempt to build an application into a package, whether you build it into an RPM deb or some other package maintainer's package system. So that's this is something that I put in here basically for myself because it's something I've wanted to do. And hopefully this will inspire me to actually go and do it because it seems like it should not be that terribly difficult, but it's one of those things like if you have no real impetus to do it, then, you know, learning it becomes harder. And Bill, I know you've built packages before. So on a scale of, you know, zero to 10 yeah. on the difficulty scale, zero being the easiest, 10 being the most difficult, if you're going to take a source-built package that you downloaded from GitLab and turn it into a deb. How difficult do you consider that? Okay. It's probably yeah, so. like a five. Not very hard. It takes a little reading to make sure you set up your config files properly, but, I mean, building right. it is... So mid-level difficulty, simple. that seems exactly where I would want it to be for me to actually kind of get this done. So very cool. So if anybody else wants to try and build something into a package, whether you're going to actually use it as a package or not, but just to see if you have enough script foo to actually build a package, uh, you know, get out there and give it a try. And just in the nick of time, we had Cheryl show back up so we can dive on into hedonism. Woo. Yeah. So do you actually have your thing yes. up in front of you? All yes, right. I do. Fantastic. Then let's dive into hedonism. It's been a month. We need we need some hedonism. Do we? Yeah, we do. Do we need food? Well, hell we need yeah, boring? we need food. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's <laughs> Not We've been either. hungry for eaten, all this time with no month, food. So tell us what, wow. we're, what we're having now. Well, obviously, we need to start with dessert first. So this time we're going to have New York-style cheesecake. Ooh, sounds Ooh, good. Ooh, yeah. So for this, you need 15 graham crackers or a box of graham cra cracker crumbs, excuse me, and some butter, uh, some cream cheese, some sugar, some milk, some eggs, sour cream, vanilla, and a little bit of flour. And you mix your butter and your graham cracker crumbs together and do that as the base of your cheesecake. And then you mix your cream cheese and your sugar and all the other jazz together and bake it. And the secret to a well-done cheesecake to keep it from cracking is you put it in the oven with a pan of water. You shut the door, you cook it for an hour, you turn it off, you leave it in there for the rest of the day. So let it do its thing for five or six hours before you pull it out again or open the door so 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 this is a cheesecake that you actually bake now there are all kinds of recipes for no baked cheesecakes yeah and i've done this cheesecake several times before this is that cheesecake that weighs 27 pounds when you pull right it out. no and it's a very good cheesecake but I'm, I'm going to ask you, since you're the one who likes to cook, what is the advantage over baking a cheesecake over doing a no-bake cheesecake or vice versa? Well, okay. Um, if you want a true New York-style cheesecake, you're going to have to bake it. If you want something quick and easy that tastes like sugar and cream cheese, grab some cream cheese and some sugar and a pre-done 
graham cracker pie crust and usually a container of Cool Whip and mix it together. I've done both. You know I've done both. Does what's What does baking it give you? Baking it gives you a richer and creamier taste. And it, if I remember correctly, you are not a big fan of the no-bake cheesecakes. You'll eat them, but I don't think you're a big fan of them. Well, I'm not a big fan of cheesecake in general. I mean, every once in a while, a cheesecake is a wonderful thing. But yeah, see, when it comes to super rich desserts like fudge and cheesecake and German chocolate cake and anything that's super rich and super dense, for me, a little goes a real long way. So. Yeah, see, my favorite dessert of all is cheesecake. So, yeah. Mine too. Russ well, hates creme brulee. Creme brulee. <laughs> brulee either, so. He's like, why do I want to eat uh, art sugar? I'm like, oh, but it is so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, w- oh, yeah. When you actually find one that's like, it's heaven. really yeah. good, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's heaven. <laughs> you go through so many crappy creme brulees <laughs> in your life <laughs> that well, you yeah. just go to do it just to see if you can find the perfect one. Like if, if somebody actually did it right. <laughs> you know? Like it's got to be the right temperature and everything else. I like a New York cheesecake because like, to me it does not seem yeah, just, the the no bake cheesecakes to me are super super sweet. Yeah, and they're horrible. Um, they're but horrible. you know, if we're having a picnic or something, and I'm in a hurry, I'm just like yeah. screw it. You know, a New York style cheesecake to me is not super sweet. Yeah, it's sweet, but it's right exactly. You can have it plain, no, or you, you can, can put, put anything on top of right. it. I mean, that, that, um, it's dense. It can right. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, if I had to hold, if I anything. had to give you a list of like my favorite desserts in the world, a New York style cheesecake and carrot cake or hummingbird cake, one or the other, probably carrot cake, would be tied for first. And then from there it would be a key lime pie, pumpkin pie cuz I'm a huge fan of that, creme brulee, um and probably tiramisu. I think those are my favorite desserts of all and a good good super good um meringue pie like a lemon meringue or a chocolate meringue or something like that because i for some re- reason have this thing about meringue but and russ just kind of looks at me like i'm an idiot <laughs> so, you know although last night we did have we did have a piece of carrot cake and he's, he carrot enjoyed cake. that so yeah <laughs> if we're talking about pies and cakes um you know dutch apple pecan and carrot slash hummingbird are definitely my top three so no not no. a big fan of the strawberry not the strawberry straw rhubarb. Rhubarb. Not, not a big fan yeah i'm not a big my dad <laughs> loved rhubarb and i'm like Bleh. and my mother loved raisin uh, uh, buttermilk raisin pie and i would i would sit there and watch her eat that and just gag in my head i'm just like bull don't make a noise don't make a noise <laughs> and I, don't, like, I don't do any fruit pies except apple apple is the only fruit pie <laughs> Yeah, there's actually a, a cafe near here that does fried pies, and Russ oh, yeah. will just almost cry if he walks in and they don't have Apple on the list. 99.9% of the time, Apple is on the list, but it's also one of them that sells out fairly quick. And we ate their... Yeah, Ted, Ted says you miss Bananas yeah, Ted, Foster. Ted's- you know, bananas foster is pretty good. I bet it's not not one of my favorite yeah, desserts. I, I don't like I don't like bananas as a dessert. I don't. So. No, but you love banana bread, so uh, I do love some banana bread. That's right. Yeah, I'm gonna make you some banana bread. So. Yeah, bananas foster is one of those things too. You're gonna get made probably yeah. more <laughs> horribly in a lot of yeah. places. 
<laughs> than, than it is to make at home. I mean, you know, it's, it's actually really right. super simple. There's like five ingredients. There are but, some, uh, for some reason, do, some places they, just like, you know, they up. can take the simplest dessert and you know, like creme brulee. Creme brulee is not that hard, but so many people can completely ruin it. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you're just like, how did you do this? Sugar how did you ruin this? <laughs> you know, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you really tried hard to screw this up. <laughs> yeah, you put a huge amount of effort in. A lot of effort this, in failing. But, you know, we ate in Atlanta, which I as far as I know they've closed, but there's a restaurant in downtown Atlanta called Dailies that we ate with with my brother and they had a what would you call that a dessert buffet basically and they had a hummingbird cake there that was eight or 10 layers the pieces were huge but yeah my brother and i were we both got a piece of it and we were basically just rolling around on the cake on the table <laughs> i was just like this stuff is amazing and russell's that was russell's first <laughs> attempt at hummingbird cake and he took a couple of bites of it and went you want to trade because he got like apple pie and i'm like no get back <laughs> <laughs> so you know but and that's the thing there's um silver dollar city in branson missouri has an amazing carrot cake but they sell out of it if you don't get a piece by nine o'clock in the morning you're not getting a piece and it, we've been every year for 18 years and you've gotten what one piece of carrot cake at silver dollar city so far two i think two okay yeah so two pieces in 18 years is what we've managed to score so yeah and they do have a very good carrot cake. it is a very good carrot cake so, all right, so moving on from there, we'll hit my drink corner real fast. And this time, I mentioned in the last one of these that we did that I was going to hit what I was considering my favorite bourbon at the time. Uh, since then, I've acquired some other ones. And that one is still my favorite, but I want to touch on one that's a little bit different. This one is also very, very good. Unlike the last one, we, I talked about Tin Cup. And I know Jeremy was in here before. Uh, and he said he bought a bottle of tin cup and really enjoyed it, but he said he was using it uh, in mixed drinks. And I think tin cup is perfectly acceptable as a mixed drink maker, or something you could use as in a Manhattan or as a cocktail, like with a rum and uh, coke and whiskey or something like that. Um, but when I do a review, I am talking about the spirit as if you're going to drink it by itself. So <clears throat> that's why I didn't look at tin cup particularly favorable. But today we're going to look at what is often and in many places an allocated release. And I haven't really talked about allocated release spirits uh, much lately or at all, actually, um, because I personally have not actually owned any uh, limited allocation releases until recently. So I'll touch on that real briefly. What this means is these are spirits that are available, but they're only distributed to stores in limited quantities it's not like your maker's mark that you can go into any liquor store in the country at any time and purchase so this particular bourbon is the willet pot still reserve and it's i would say one of the more available limited releases there are some that are incredibly incredibly hard to find um if you've ever heard of blanton's uh, you'll know that it's very hard to find if you've ever, ever heard of uh, Elmer T. Lee or George T. Stagg or some of these other bourbons. They're incredibly, incredibly hard to come by. Um, 
this one is not quite like that. It's still on the hard to get scale, but it's a lot easier than some of those other ones I just mentioned. So if you go to a, a decent liquor store in your area, you will probably find some Willet, um, but it probably won't be on the shelf. You probably have to ask for it. That being said, it's not particularly expensive. I, I purchased my bottle for in the high 40s. So even though it's hard to get, it doesn't have a rare price, which is kind of nice. Um, and some of those other ones I mentioned also don't have particularly high price tags. They're just very hard to come by. So Willet, in this case, um, there are, there's more than one Willet, but this is the pot still reserve that I'm talking about specifically. Uh, Willet, as a company, has a storied past starting in the late 1600s. And if you want to read about how Willet has gone through its different paces and iterations of being open and closed and so on over the last several hundred years, feel free to check that out. Um, but this, this, um, has a really nice sort of combination of flavors. And I was able to find a reference to a potential mash bill for this particular bourbon. And they say it's likely 72% corn, 13% rye, and 15% malted barley. But since it's a single barrel, um, release, that means the mash bill can vary with each release. So your, the mash bill might be slightly different. Uh, the ABV on this is 47%. It's released at 94 proof. It comes from Bardstown, Kentucky, United States. The color on it is really kind of nice because the bottle is shaped like a pot still. So if you've ever, it's, it's probably one of the more unusual bottles in the bourbon world. So if you've ever seen it on the shelf, you'll know exactly what it looks like because it's the only bottle that I'm aware of that's in the shape of a pot still. Um, and the color of the bourbon is actually like a slightly old, bright copper. So when the bottle is full and it's on the shelf in good light, it actually looks like a pot still because the color of the bourbon is actually similar to the color of a copper pot still. Um, the nose, I'm going to, I'm using someone else's tasting notes and I'm going to refine them uh, based on what I've done, because after not having bourbon for 14 plus days and being sick for over a week, I'm not trusting my nose. So um, I'm going to, I, I have found that what I've tasted and what I've smelled is similar to what they have, but I'm going to kind of modify slightly. Uh, on the nose, they mention brown sugar and spice and wild cherry and oak, butter, toast, soft vanilla, corn syrup. Molasses, black pepper, subtle floral hints, ripe blueberries, raspberry, and orange. And there's a lot of there's a lot of things there. What I will say is I do not particularly get the buttered toast. I do not get the molasses, and I do not get the raspberry. But all the other things I can I can smell, even though I haven't been at it for a while. So take a quick sip here again. Now my my tongue is really active right now because it hasn't touched alcohol in a while so everything's got a very sort of bright um crisp peppery kind of thing going on so i'm gonna i'm gonna say that for somebody who's actually not been dry for over two weeks that these sensations will be somewhat muted but it's it's tasting to me very rye forward very peppery but it does have the sweet corn and sort of very sweet marmalady orange to it uh the vanilla and the oak is very present. It does have a subtle fruit and floral taste to it. Not really identifiable, not like the blueberry and orange you can get 
when you smell it. And the cherry and black pepper are very prominent for me right now, though I suspect that if you're, you know, not in my position, that they're not quite as forward for you. And then the finish on this is really super long. It's a nice, long, spiced, sort of peppery vanilla. And you get the mouthfeel from the oak tannins, a little bit of the orange kind of in passing. And then, you know, that, like I said, it's got, they say peppery heat. And yes, I'm definitely getting that. And um, they also mentioned coconut, but they say you only get the coconut if you put a little bit of water in it. And I have not put any water in it. So it is not opened up to the point where I can detect anything like coconut. But I will say for a relatively available, relatively inexpensive bourbon, this has a lot going on. It has a lot of character. It's constantly changing and it has a really, really full mouthfeel and really long finish. These are things that are going to make this a wonderful sipper. You can have an ounce of half of this and it will last you an hour because of all the things that you get out of it and just how long the flavors last when you try it. So by far and away, well worth 50 bucks or whatever it is you spend when you buy it. And I would, I would give it, you know, based on what it was like when I tasted it originally and what I taste in it now, easily at 91 because it's really good and you can actually buy it, which uh, is definitely a good thing. So if you get a chance to go to your liquor store and see if they have in the back closet somewhere, a couple of bottles of the Willet Pot Still Reserve and get yourself some because it's definitely worth the money. All right, there we go. Bill, what are you drinking? Well, <clears throat> I'm actually drinking red wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> but I'm, I'm actually going to review a beer I had while I was in, uh, in Florida because it, uh, it kind of stood out, and I didn't find it until, gosh, almost like the last two days I was there, and I'm like, man, I could have been so happy and so drunk the entire time I was here. <laughs> <laughs> instead of the crap i was drinking um no i found a, a beer called high lie uh which yeah if you've heard that it's a sport uh a, a nice betting sport uh that uh, people uh tend to play um this is a, a beer from the cigar city brewing company in tampa florida it is an ipa of course <laughs> we saw all these trucks drive around with high lie on it we thought yeah is a sport like getting popular again or what's going on um and of course it wasn't it was actually just because they're pushing out so many uh cans of beer now uh out of the cigar city brewing company that uh yeah they have their own trucks and that's their big uh big uh staple uh beer i guess but uh from their site it's a it's an intense bouquet of tangerine and candied orange peeled entice the nose with wild flavors of clementines valencia orange and subtle caramel provide counterpoint to assertive bitterness and rich malt character a bold hop flavor and aroma from six different hop varieties in front is front and center in this flavorful American IPA. And I, I agree completely. It was, uh, it was very flavorful. And it has a uh, ABV of 7.5% and an IBU of 70, which is quite respectable. Not as high as I like, but it's okay. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, triple but, digits. Uh, yeah. You need triple digits. Triple digits. Yeah, I'm, I'm like to the 140s. That's what I want. No. <laughs> um, no, it was, it was really good. And I was, I was kind of, I was, yeah, I was really disappointed. I didn't find it till the very end. <laughs> I was like, oh man, it's been so good to have, but I tried a bunch of other beers while I was there from uh, various breweries. Um, they have like, uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, growler fill at the, uh, 
the local liquor store with uh, a bunch of local breweries and stuff like that. So I kind of went around the house and, you know, filled the growler a few times and uh, just really didn't tack onto one that I really enjoyed immensely until I ran across this guy. And uh, yeah, it was, it was great. So if you have that available to you in the, probably the Southwestern uh, or Southeastern market down there, I'm not sure if it even leaves the state of Florida. Um, yeah, they have like trucks painted and everything else with the <laughs> their logos and stuff all over it. So I'm assuming they have some uh, money in, uh, in, invested in this activity. So maybe you can see this in the uh, southeastern U.S. market. Uh, it's a great beer, great IPA. Uh, yeah, I wish I could get it up here. It, it was really good. All right, very cool. Well, that is going to take us down to the end of the current episode of The Weekender. So we will turn around and we will do this in a couple of weeks' time. But in the meantime, we've given you lots of things you can go out and try, some food you can partake of, some beer and whiskey you might be able to pick up and enjoy, and several open source and amateur-related special events and other events that you can uh, try out over the next couple of weeks while you're waiting for us to put out another episode of Linux on the Ham Shack. Our next episode will be our long format episode. We have not yet settled on a topic, but that will be you know, announced as soon as we figure out what that's going to be. And in the meantime, hope everyone has a great week and we'll do it all again next Monday night. So saying good night for episode 267 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out.
Linux in the Ham Shack in the Linux in the Ham Shack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribute Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.